0: And uh, verse 2, lessons from the water's edge. You realize that on the very first day of creation, we find water. Water being in existence as the Creator made it. And as you go through the Bible and you think about the different circumstances where water is discussed, there's quite a few lessons uh, that we can draw from those truths. Water is a, a resource that we're all familiar with. We're familiar with it if we're without it. We're familiar with it if we have too much of it, right? If your house begins to flood, that's not a good thing. You're thinking, I want the water to stop. But in Genesis chapter 1, verse 2, and so this week, and Lord willing, next week, we'll look at this study on water. Uh, as we're studying biblical foundations, we've gone through a whole bunch of different things here, looking at the Genesis account. But uh, notice with me, Genesis 1, 1, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void. And darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. Job chapter 5 verse 10 will tell us, Who giveth rain upon the earth and sendeth waters upon the fields. Psalm 65 9 says, Thou visiteth the earth and waterest it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. But he also controls the water's flow. Psalm 147, 18. He sendeth out his word and melteth them. He caused his wind to blow and the water's flow. Water is the number one most important and abundant natural resource that we have. Now, you would say oxygen is, but if you want to think about it, it's a resource uh, that we tangibly see. Water is the first resource in the Bible individually named on the first of creation. When I was looking at water, one website I found says water is an inorganic chemical substance that is made up of two fundamental elements, hydrogen and oxygen. Right? Two oxygen atoms and one uh, two hydrogen atoms and one oxygen atom. It is impossible for humans to survive without water for more than 3 days. It is an odorless, colorless, and tasteless liquid that is very essential for our survival. The earth is referred to as a blue planet. It is covered with water bodies throughout. Despite all of this, as this resource says, only 2.5% of it is fresh water that we can use for our consumption. The human body is 75% full of water and we need it for our daily meta- uh, metabolisms and the proper functioning of our body. In quotes. So on the very first day of creation, we find the nourishment and refreshment that God would end up giving to all land animals as well as sea animals. God created the nutrients and the resources that fosters life. And so as we do a kind of a topical study on this idea of water, what are some lessons that we learn about God as we go through the Word of God looking at water? How does the context of these particular verses on water, how does it apply to me both in my knowledge of God, my understanding of God, the character of God, as well as my uh, uh, my relationship with God? Water is a metaphor for many truths. It's a resource we all see, we all interact with on a daily basis. Something even I have up here to help my thirst. But in all of our lives, there are deep spiritual needs that surface. And if we reflect only on our physical needs, we begin to neglect our spiritual need. But the water that God gives to us... Both physical and spiritual, it refreshes us. And so may you let your need for water lead you to the streams of living water. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I I yield today to Thee. God, I commit it to You. And Father, I just ask that as I preach Your Word, I commit these words to You. I commit this hour to Thee. Father, I pray if there's anyone here this morning, first of all, that does not know you as their personal Savior, never place their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all their sins that this morning would be that day. Second of all, Father, for those who are believers, but yet, Lord, inside their soul, they're thirsty. God, they're, they're hurting, they're struggling. I pray that the message this morning, Father, would be a great refreshment from the streams of everlasting, eternal waters. And so, Father, I ask for your help in a way that only you can give. I love you. In Jesus' precious name I pray. Amen. The beginning of nourishment. If we look in Genesis chapter 1, verse 20, and God said, Let the waters bring forth abundantly the moving creature that hath life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. It is the source of environment for waterborne creatures, whales, fish, other pla- like plankton, other sources of life, coral reefs, and more. Earth was initially covered with water, Psalm 104, 5, and 6, who laid the foundations of the earth, that it should not be removed forever. Thou coverest it with the deep as with a garment, the waters stood above the mountains. Now, we find also something else that rivers, in Genesis chapter 2, verse 10, would you look with me here? And a river went out of Eden to water the garden, and from thence it was parted and became into four heads. And then you read in the next four verse, several verses, it'll give you all four rivers. One, the last one being the Euphrates, the fourth river. God distributed his water to the interior land masses through streams and rivers. There's underwater streams and rivers, but God ensures that there is water to many parts of this earth. He has given rivers, aquifers underneath the ground to allow for wells. The Lord has thought of all things that will make it necessary and allow for humans to survive. Earth is a unique and exclusive planet, irrespective of sometimes what Star Trek, Star Wars, and maybe the gurus of science fiction may perpetuate. But Earth is unique. We find something as you think about this from God in Psalm 147, 18. As the creator, he sendeth out his word and melteth them. He causeth his wind to blow and the waters flow. So essentially, he causeth the waters flow. So God is the one. Now, obviously, we have dams and other sorts of things that redirect streams. But understand this, that in a moment, God could remove the waters. We have a lot of hysteria about this climate change, uh, but this thinking that somehow we can reverse all of the damage. Now man is to be a steward of this earth, and I mentioned this during the Sunday school hour. Humans are to be good stewards. God's given us this. But understand this, that if it does not rain from heaven, there's nothing we as humans can do if God says the rain tap of heaven is off. There is a God in heaven who's in control. I'd like you to look with me at Job chapter 5, verse 10. There's a number of verses on this. You might say, Pastor, you're crazy. Maybe I am, but I still believe what the Bible says. The Bible says it, I believe it. Job chapter 5, verse 10. You might have some smiles on your face saying, yeah, he is crazy. Anyways, but Job chapter 5, verse 10. It tells us, Who giveth rain upon the earth and sendeth waters upon the fields. As we were studying, and we're going to look at it here in just a moment, he says he sends waters upon the fields. The entire farming agricultural industry is absolutely uh, at the mercy of rain. Now, there are wells under the water, but those wells will dry up. There was a period of time in southern Manitoba here, just the last few years, they had such lack of water, their lakes were feet Below where they should have been. Down in the States, even, they're talking about parts of the Mississippi. The great Mississippi is drying up. Earth's crops and the yield produced ultimately comes from God. Psalm 65, 9. Thou visiteth the earth and waters it. Thou greatly enrichest it with the river of God, which is full of water. Thou preparest them corn when thou hast so provided for it. The earth and the sky and the water table, it is managed by man. But God controls the water we receive. I'd like you to look with me at 1 Kings chapter 8. And and we do need to be good stewards of this earth. There is things we need to do to protect it and, and be good, you know, just... <laughs> not pollute it. I understand that. But if God says no rain, no rain's going to come. In verse 35 of First King chapter 8, when heaven is shut up and there is no rain, because they have sinned against thee, if they pray toward this place and confess thy name and turn from their sin when thou afflictest them, this is when Solomon is dedicating the temple there in Jerusalem. Then hear thou in heaven, and forgive the sin of thy servants, and of thy people Israel, that thou teach them the good way wherein they should walk, and give rain upon thy land, which thou hast given to thy people for an inheritance. And in this passage of Scripture, he says, listen, sin has consequences. In 1 Kings 17, 1, as we read even this morning, God said for the next three years, no rain nor dew. God will withhold rain for the sins of Ahab and Israel. Deuteronomy chapter 11, the very same sentiments here. He says, if you serve other gods, you go to idols, I will bring no rain. But yet at the same time, in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 15, in a place where no rain is expected to be, you would not go to the Sahara Desert or any uh, other desert. I mean, I know there's times where it's blooming and there's beautiful times. And, but by and large, stereotypically, you would not go to a desert where there's only sand, mounds of sand everywhere, all these dunes and all this. I mean, it's fun to drive your dune buggy and your ATVs on. But it's not a place you want to set up shop and say, yep, I'm going to have here, it's going to rain, I'm going to have a nice beautiful garden. In Deuteronomy 8.15, God says, Who led thee, talking to Israel, through that great and terrible wilderness, wherein were fiery serpents and scorpions and drought, and where there was no water, who brought thee forth water out of the rock of Flint? So in the wilderness, as Israel's leaving Egypt, going to the promised land, God provides water out of a rock. Job 12, 15, we learn the truth. Behold, he withholds the waters, and they dry up. Also, he sendeth them out, and they overturn the earth. Could it be that some of the devastation we're finding in the world today is that God is saying there's sin, and it needs to be dealt with? We find droughts and famines and other things, and we think just natural causes. Could it be a spiritual thing? The Bible tells us Yes. In fact, in Proverbs 21.1, the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, as the rivers of water, he turneth it whithersoever he will. Just as God would rout the waters, the rivers in the the Garden of Eden, God can rout the heart of a king. Are you telling me that God allows some of the evil, despotic rulers in this world today? I am saying yes, he does allow it. Because that evil drives us to the place to say, what was Israel's often condition when they would go into captivity, when they would go into slavery, when they would go into horrific times of life, they would get on their knees and they would say, God, we've sinned. And God uses water, a resource that all of us need in our lives to get us to the place to say, God, God's saying, I want all of your heart. The question this morning is, how big is your God? In Genesis chapter 18, verse 14, is anything too hard for the Lord? This is a question that the Lord, uh, a pre-incarnate appearance of the Lord, asked Sarah. She's 89, 90 years of age before she has Isaac. Is anything too hard for him? Anything a surprise to him? And we find in Isaiah chapter 40 that God has measured the waters of this world. Only God can measure them out. Water is finite, but God is measureless. But I want you to notice with me something in Isaiah 41, when you think about water. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 17 Isaiah 41, 17. You notice the condition of some uh, this respect for water. It says, When the poor and needy seek water and there is none, and their tongue faileth for thirst, I, the Lord, will hear them. I, the God of Israel, will not forsake them. I will open rivers in high places and fountains in the midst of the valleys. I will make the wilderness a pool of water and the dry land springs of water. God says, Listen, you start crying out to me. There's a lot of people that are thirsty. And oftentimes in our daily lives, we exist on the dregs of foul water. If I was to have two glasses of water up here, both of them clear, and I was to say to you, one of these glasses of water is poisoned and one is not, but they were both clear, you would say, well, I'm not drinking either of them. Because I know one of them is polluted. You haven't told me either one, right? But oftentimes, we drink water. You know, if you've ever had a waterborne illness or something like that, or, you know, like this food poisoning, you're thinking, I don't want anything like that, because that's just miserable. I mean, you're just like, take me out back and, and dispose of me, because I just feel like garbage. When you're sick with a food, you know, <laughs> food poisoning or something like that. But in our lives, there is God created a boundary, Genesis 1, 6, and 7, between land and water. There's a clear distinction, right? You go to a beach, the beach is a distinction between the dry land and the water. I mean, even Naaman, this, this guy who was uh, their captain of the king of hosts of Syria, he had leprosy. And uh, Elijah tells him, uh, Elisha, excuse me, tells him, go and wash in the river Jordan. And he's thinking, that's a filthy, dirty, stinky, awful river. No way am I getting in that river. I mean, he's thinking, can I go back to Syria, go back to Damascus, and go back to Arbana and far part? We understand clean water and dirty water. I go out to the, the Burntwood River behind our house and Sometimes and I look at the river, I'm thinking, this is not a clean river. I mean, it's brown or, or some tan. or I mean, It's not clear. I mean, it's not like, you know, you go to some water sometimes and you're like, it's just crystal clear. You can see down for a long ways. You're like, wow. You go up high into the mountains. If you ever go into the mountains and, and you see these glacier lakes, I mean, just beautiful Beautiful blues and all sorts. I mean, there's a dis- you think, wow, what a pure lake. And then sometimes you look at some other rivers and you're like, eh, <laughs> I'm not getting in that river. God has a comparison of water. It's not just that he refreshes us, but he gives us the good water. There's a comparison to dirty water in our lives. First Kings 22, the water of affliction, like a dirty water. This is what one king wanted to do, Micaiah. Judah would spew out wickedness. In Jeremiah 6, 7, as a fountain casteth out her waters, so she casteth out her wickedness. Violence and spoil is heard in her, before me continually is grief and wounds. He's saying, Listen, they're spewing out a water, but it's not good. And over and over and over again, there are this idea of filthy water. Job 15, 16, how much more abominable and filthy is man which drinketh iniquity like water? We'll drink the things of the world which is polluting our bodies. We drink of the things of life that are not glorifying to God and it pollutes our bodies. Now we understand that water is everywhere, and as I mentioned, water is all over this world, abundantly. I mean, it, water is ubiquitous; it's everywhere. And God is the Creator and Source, has an internal living water for all who call upon Him. You know, as a root, Job fourteen nine talks about a tree, and that root. It's amazing how a tree's roots will look for water. Somehow, some way. God has built into those tree roots the ability to continue to search through the ground and get to a water source. Hopefully that water source is not your, you know, your, se- <laughs> your drain pipes and all that stuff that it eats into and then creates a whole bunch of problems for you. But, but the roots of the tree, they will look for water. I'd like you to look with me at John chapter 4. And so oftentimes, as we've talked about, we need physical water. I mean, if we go without physical water for a period of days, we will die. You have to have water. Your body will just say, hey, I'm too parched, I cannot. my organs can't move on, and I'm done working. You need it. But Jesus tells, he uses that same analogy of water in John chapter 4. Verse 10, he's talking to the Samaritan woman, a woman that's had five husbands, the man she's with isn't her husband, and Jesus is talking with her. And it's amazing that a Jew is talking to a Samaritan woman in the first place, because it was very against the culture, but Christ had, he said, hey, I I need to reach her. So he didn't care about the cultural ties there, and what a blessing that is. John chapter 4, verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, the Samaritan woman, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith unto thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldst ask, have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. In verse 14, whosoever But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst, but the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, I'm the source of water. Yes, I'm the source that give the waters upon the earth, but I'm also the source of the water that satisfies your soul and your spirit. John chapter 7, verse 38, just a few chapters over there. He that believeth on me, as the scripture hath said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living Water. There is an understanding here that there's a living water. Just as our bodies need water, our soul and spirit need water. And I need the refreshment that comes from He who's the source of all water. Heaven's refreshment in Revelation 7, 17. For the Lamb which is in the midst of the throne shall feed them and shall lead them unto living fountains of waters and God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes. Talking about the saints in heaven. Talking about the fountain of water of life freely that God refreshes the soul of the thirsty there in Revelation 21, 6. There in heaven for all believers. And then in Revelation twenty two seventeen 17. And the Spirit and the Bride say, Come, and let him that hear us say, Come. And let him that the thirst come, and whosoever will, let him take the water of life freely. From the very first day of creation on into eternity, we find an understanding what water is always available. And God gives living water, it's abundant, it's available to all who see their need. You know what? God has created an atmosphere. Our very atmosphere has water in it. Psalm 104.3, Who layeth the beams of his chambers in the waters, who maketh the clouds his chariot, who walketh upon the wings of the wind. He says the beams of his chambers in the waters. There's water in the clouds. It says in Psalm 148.4, Praise him, ye heavens of heavens, and ye waters that be above the heavens. Above in the clouds, there's water. Praise him. Glorify Him. I mean, the atmosphere, if you think about the atmosphere we have, we have water above, we have water beneath, we have water in the lakes, we have water all around us. And that is available for our consumption. There are some machines that you can take the humidity out of the air and convert it into drinkable water. In places that if they have humidity, they take the humidity, they condense it down, and you can drink it. But understand this, that water is available everywhere and God is always available for us if we understand our need. In Psalm 91.1, he that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. The very understanding is the atmosphere of our environment is affected by where we dwell. Who are you around? The provision of water... And the atmosphere it affects us. Prolonged periods of time without sunshine may cause seasonal depression. It's hard to be without the sun. A short period of time without any water. It causes great unrest. Imagine you have a team of explorers and they go into a particular location and they run out of water. You know the anxiety amongst that group of people is going to raise pretty quickly when the water's missing. What's going to be the number one thought? Where do we get the next drop of water? How do, I, how do I satisfy my thirst? And you know what the atmosphere of those who live without a living water is? Many times it's complaining. It's moaning and groaning about our situations. In Numbers chapter 20 verse 2, Israel there in the wilderness without water and there was no water for the congregation and they gathered themselves together against Moses and against Aaron. They went against their leadership. They, went against, they said, you know, it's kind of like mutiny. We're done with this, Moses. We're done with being without water. But this was the same situation that God says, Moses, speak to the rock, and I'll give you water. And Moses got angry at the people. Must we fetch you water, you rebels? Bam! God provided water, but Moses lost his ability to go into the promised land. But here, even in the desert, God understood where Israel was. He says, listen, I'm going to refresh you. And my friend, in your life, you can get to some times of life and you're thinking, I am so tired. I'm so thirsty. I'm empty. There's nothing going on inside. Lord, are you hearing my prayers? Numbers chapter 21, God tells Moses, gather the people together and I will give them water. You know, the emptiness of life, it's dependent upon our water. I mean, we need food as well, right? We understand that. I'd like you to look with me at Psalm 63, 1, and maybe your situation this morning, and you're, going, you're having some hard times of life. and You're really struggling And you're trying to find happiness, and you're trying to find joy, you're trying to find a satisfaction. You want refreshment within. And you're like, why am I so thirsty? What am I thirsty for? I want you to understand this morning, there is a God in heaven, number one, who hears your prayers, number two, He knows your condition. God knew where Israel was at in the wilderness. In Psalm 63, 1, O God, thou art my God, early will I seek thee. My soul thirsteth for thee, my flesh longeth for thee, in a dry and thirsty land where no water is. And you just feel empty. And you've been going hard, you've had some circumstances that are beyond your control, and you're just like, "Ah, I don't know what to do. How do I go on? In the very psalmist here, he talks about a yearning for the most essential need that we all have starting with water, hydration. You know, David at one time, in 2 Samuel 23, he was out running for his life, and he told his men, he said, oh, that one would give me a drink of the water of the well of Bethlehem. You know, do you ever have some times in your life, and I'm talking physically, maybe you've walked to the top of a mountain, and you're like, I could just use a big glass of ice water. Oh, man, that would be amazing. You've had a long, hard day. You've pushed your body and you're thirsty. And you're like, oh, there's nothing like a refreshing glass of cold ice water. In Psalm forty-two, one, I want you to turn with me here. And sometime in our souls, that longing we have, I want to ask you this morning, could that very well, that longing, be because you've been away from the living water? I'm not saying you've lost your salvation, but I'm saying that you have been away from the streams of living water that you need for daily living. In Psalm 42, 1 is the heart, which is the deer, panteth after the water brook, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. My soul thirsteth for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before my God? And then he talks about, My tears have been my meat day and night, while they continually say to me, Where is thy God? I mean, he's, the soul is dried out. And David says, God, I'm thirsty. We might be like in Psalm 78, kind of the condition of Moses. Yeah, they spake against God and the Israelites. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote the rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. And the very place where it seems the most unlikely that God will be, God shows up because you said, God, I'm thirsty. God, I need some refreshment. I've been going so long I've done it by myself and my strength and God. There is no strength left. I need to get back to the living water this morning. Isaiah chapter 12, 2 and 3. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. For the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also has become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Isaiah 58, waters that fail not. Jeremiah 31.12 shall be as a watered garden and they shall not sorrow anymore at all their soul. You can be watered this morning and the choice of the refreshment of my soul is a condition of my understanding of my need for the living water. You know what, sometimes it's necessary to just get apart. You know when you're thirsty, I mean really thirsty, If someone says, hey, can you show me this? You said, no, I'm drinking water. I don't care what else is going on. I'm going to satisfy my thirst first. Because you are thirsty. Everything else doesn't matter until that thirst is satisfied. And we can go through life after life, day after day after day, and we don't drink of the living water. We don't make this... The very essential, I mean water is absolutely essential to your daily physical living. You can't disagree with that. But in the same sense, I need the living water of God through his word to refresh my soul. Do you realize that in hell it's absolute dehydration? Isaiah 5 will tell us, about hell enlarging herself and all of this and, and this idea, their multitude dried up with thirst. There is no satisfaction in hell. Not one drop of water in hell. The, acts, the absolute opposite of God. God is a fountain of living water. Water's a place that I go to for a time of distress. How many of us, when we go on holidays, we say, I want to go to where there's a river, there's a lake, there's a beach, there's an ocean, there's a sea. I mean, it's wonderful if you can get an oceanside cottage or lakeside cottage or something like that just to be by the water, and you think, wow, it's the serenity, and ah, oh, it's so peaceful. As you sit and you look out upon the lake or the ocean or wherever you're at, or on a cruise you're on the waters or you're fishing and you're on the water it's just peaceful water's the place that we go to physically and very many tourist spots revolve around water In Proverbs chapter 25, 25, as cold waters to a thirsty soul, so is good news from a far country. Good news. We have the good news of God's Word. God says in the very first day of creation, there's there's waters. If God on the very first day has water. In eternity, there's water. Don't you think I need it? Yes, I do need to have proper hydration, but I also need proper spiritual hydration. If you think about this, Hagar, who was the mist who ended up being Abraham's second wife, it was a whole big mess on why that happened, but it was Abraham's lack of faith and Sarah's lack of faith. Sarah gets mad at Hagar, puts her out. Abraham gives her a bottle of water. They go into the wilderness of Beersheba. She goes to a point, the water, they've drank all the water in the bottle. They get to the place of absolute despair. The, God reaches out to her. She says, let me not see the death of the child. And she sat over against him and lifted up her voice and wept. She said, God, I'm, I'm thirsty. And God hears the voice. God calls to Hagar out of heaven. And then God opened her eyes and there was a well of water. I want to ask you this morning in regards to this as I come closer to the end of this. But as you think about water, if if you are true to the introspection of your heart, you look within and you say, God, am I thirsty? what am i looking for in this life what is it that satisfies my thirst what is it that helps me you think about a story of jesus walking on water there with peter gets peter come out of the boat you know peter walks out of the boat he comes to christ in the water many times it's an understanding that i just need to kneel down and take that water and drink of God's living waters. How do I do that? I take time. And I meditate on God's Word. And the meditation of God's Word is more than just kind of this yoga type meditation. Psalm 1 tells us on this very truth. But in His law doth He meditate. But, but, but His delight is in the law of the Lord. And in His law doth He meditate day and night. So there's a meditation, there's a thinking and figuring out and, and understanding how do I apply the Word of God to my everyday living and thinking. Will you, get in, will you step out of the boat? Will you understand your thirst and drink? Water, in many times in the Scriptures, was also a place of a test of faith. Even Jesus in the, sleeping in the bottom of the boat as the, the ship with the disciples in it was in a fierce storm, Luke 8. And the people are like, The water is going to overcome us. The circumstances of my life are going to overcome me. The water is going to come in, and I'm going to drown. But who was in the boat? Water is absolutely essential for everything from living, cooking, drinking, flourishing, animals. I mean everything. If water is this important, and the water emanates from the very throne of God, as Revelation tells us, even His eternal throne. Look with me at Revelation 22.1. My friend... Our dryness of soul is due to a lack of drinking of the fountain of living water. Revelation 22:1, and he showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and the Lamb. This is an eternal substance. There is a God in heaven waiting to refresh your soul. You need to, but you have to understand: I need to drink of his waters. If I want any of the waters or any of the things from this world, it will be polluted. But if I get it from the God of heaven, my soul will be refreshed. We must stop trying to live drinking of the polluted waters from the idols of this world. Because in John 4.14, as Jesus would tell that Samaritan woman, but whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him, shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. And what we must do is seek the living water. God started it in the beginning of creation. He made those rivers to go all over to populate the land, to hydrate the land. To make it feasible for man to spread out. As he says, multiply and replenish the earth. God says, spread out. And as man did that, there was waters available. And even in those times where there was wilderness, even for the Israelites, as there was wilderness and there was desert, God still provided water. The final illustration, and I'm done. Your source for living water is awaiting your humility and work to stay refreshed. In 2011, an 84-year-old man named Henry Morello was driving north of Phoenix, Arizona, when he realized he was heading in the wrong direction. When he tried to turn around, he got stuck in a ditch. Unable to walk to the main road to get help, he spent five days trapped in his car. To stay alive, he took a rock and cracked open the wiper fluid container in his car and drank the fluid. He even read his car manual in its entirety to pass the time. After he was rescued, doctors were amazed to find him in such good condition. Those who are thirsty, I mean truly thirsty, know what it is to seek something with a great desire. That level of desire should characterize our walk with God. We should seek him above all others. He should be our greatest desire. And he has promised that when we seek him in this way, our search will be rewarded. In the Sermon on the Mount... Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Hunger and thirst. And the friend, what we've got to do this morning is I've got to stop thirsting for the money, the material, physical things of this life as a satisfaction. We need it, okay? I'm not saying we don't need it, but I am saying that the true satisfaction of my soul, of my heart, of my mind, It comes from the refreshing living waters of a creator God. I need physical water, but I also need the spiritual waters. And maybe this morning in your heart, you're saying, Pastor, I'm really struggling and I'm dry. I trust that this would give you a thought. I need to get back to this book. And I need to see things the way God sees it. I need to have my spirit and soul refreshed. And my friend, when you get alone with God, and you begin to drink of His waters, man, you are renewed day by day. I'm going to have Ms. Pat come forward for a time of invitation. The invitation period, if you're not familiar with it, this is a time, as I was preaching, just between you and God to pray and talk with Him, however He's spoken to your heart this morning. If you're dry inside, you're dry spiritually You said, I I just need to be refreshed. My friend, it's never too late to come to the streams of living water. The first thing you must do, number one, place your faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of all your sins. Placing faith in nothing else, not your baptism, not good works, but only in Jesus. When you do that, you become a child of His. Access, to the streams of living water. And I trust this morning, if you've never accepted him, that you accept him this morning. And Christian, if you're dry and you're struggling, come to the streams of living water. I'd love to show you a daily meditation in God's perfect word. As the music plays, I trust you would just pray and talk with God, however the Spirit of God has spoken to you this morning. That you'd be encouraged and strengthened. Do you need to chat? I'd love to chat with you after the service. Our God hears the poor and needy. It's a condition we have to understand where we're at. I need to understand that I'm poor and I'm needy and I need Him. Music comes to a close here shortly. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, I love you and I thank you for this day. I thank you for your wonderful grace. Father, I pray that you'd help us to draw her closer to thee pray that our hearts and our spirits and souls would be refreshed. Lord, as we walk, as we come to the springs of living water, I love you for being our God. If anyone does not know you this morning, I pray that they place their complete faith in you. Thank you for being such an amazing Savior. In your precious name I pray. Amen. God bless you. Amen.